Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. I want to welcome you to this week's Matrix discussion group call here for Tactical Sovereignty. Uh, like I always say, this beautiful Sunday the first day of the week, not the seventh, and therefore also not the Sabbath. Just one of the many things that everybody's kind of been deceived on a little bit. And we're going to be learning a little bit more about other things, uh, a little more maybe even important, especially since it deals with everybody's pocketbooks. And what we're presented with as compared to what's really happening uh, behind the scenes with us. And so, anyway, tonight we've got uh, Walter Burian on with us from Kaffir One, and I recommend to people, um, you know, take notes, and in your notes, for your first note, just write down CAFR1.com, because that is the website that you're going to want to reference this information from. How are you doing this evening, Walter? Uh, excellent, and uh, thank you for having me tonight. Well, I'm sorry I hated to disturb your... Uh, Hot tub party with wayward stewardesses, but you know, hey, you gotta do what you gotta do, right? Yeah, we all need a break from that every once in a while. But the uh, one thing I like to do is start off with the basics, um, and actually, the basics are not obvious to most people. And the reason it is not obvious, you know, government has always been where the money was. You know, if you go back to the Roman times, they conquered and looted <laughs> you know the uh since world war Two uh, and the invention of the nuclear bomb i hear someone scraping in the background there but uh you know since the uh, world war Two and the creation of the nuclear bomb and mutual assured destruction uh they changed focus to financial looting manipulation of the markets uh taxation uh, you have to realize the population yeah you know, for thousands of years whatever government may may government may have been at the time they looked at the population as being productivity units to be drained and managed you, know, you go back a few thousand years you had slaves for the Egyptians uh, here we have government Know, feeding off the population and when you think logically why did we allow government to use us as a uh, productivity unit to be drained and managed it was not our intent government being that was bringing in the money and exponentially expanding their take became more controlling uh, more domineering uh, uh, egomaniacal uh, and in fact, for a few decades, they were laughing all the way down to the bank, uh, I'm sure joking how, uh, how could the public be so stupid to let them do what they were doing. Yeah, they'd laugh to themselves behind closed doors. <clears throat> I've told many people that I've chatted with uh, to get the point across 
uh, I like to use analogies. And I asked the person, you know, did you have uh, teenage kids at one point in time in your life? I sure did. I said, well, when your kids were 13 and 14, would you have given them card blanche to write their own allowance check? Every parent says, definitely not. No way in hell would I ever do that. And I bring to their attention, that's exactly what we allowed government to do. We gave them carte blanche to write their own allowance check. And they kept getting bigger, 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 taking more power, uh, more wealth. <clears throat> the, you know, we live in, in the United States, you know, we have the dollar, you know, it's a fiat currency. And, you know, it's not how many dollars you have, it's the transfer of wealth that matters. And wealth can be bought in dollars, Swiss francs, German marks, uh, Japanese yen, gold, silver. You know, wealth is can be transferred. And currency is strictly a bartering tool. But what government has been doing, I mean, exponentially in a massive fashion since the 40s and the end of World War II, is they created a structure where they could expand and take over all of the wealth through the U.S. dollar and taxation and investment revenue. The biggest way they were able to push that along was in 1946. Now, government was a pay-as-you-go structure, cash and carry, so to say. But starting in 1946, government started going on the annual financial reporting accounting structure. Just like AT&T, Apple, IBM has an annual financial report, government put one word on the beginning, beginning of their annual financial report to call it a comprehensive annual financial report. And they started their own, this is very cute, they started their own private association. Initially it was GFOA, Government Financial Officers Association. Totally private association. And all of the key managers within government, financial managers, joined GFOA. And now they could write the policy for government accounting, you know, and, you know, the, uh, you know, they would just say we're following, you know, the recommendations of this professional group. Now, in the 70s, the feds decided to get into the show a little stronger. And they started GASB, Government Accounting Standards Board. And GASB took over uh, handling the accounting principles behind the Comprehensive Annual Financial Report, where everybody had to follow their guidelines. <clears throat> so, you know, what I've called that is like letting the foxes write the laws and how many hens can be eaten from the hen house. You know, the foxes get 100, the rancher gets 10. <laughs> yeah. And government set up a structure where they could expand their wealth and expand their ability for takeover through the Comprehensive Annual Financial Report. Because the only thing the public was aware of were budget reports. We have a shortfall in our budget. We have to raise taxes. Well, keep in mind a budget is like the budget for your house. Yeah, who are you going to pay for your mortgage, insurance, uh, lawn care, uh, the gardener, whatever. And the annual financial report is very similar to your statement of net worth, which covers from when you were born and everything your 
own operating and all sources of income and investments. So there's a very big difference between your statement of net worth and your budget. So government constantly kept promoting shortfalls in budgets as they moved the wealth to only be shown under the Comprehensive Annual Financial Report. So you could have a city saying, we're 70 million short in our budget. We're gonna have to fire teachers, lay off uh, police officers. We need to raise taxes. And if you looked at the corresponding annual financial report, you know, and digested, you know, what they were actually holding, you know, their net worth could be five and a half billion in the black. But at the same time, they could be saying they're $70 million short. It's selective, you know, representation. Now, for today's show, I mentioned to, for people to download and take a look at the Z1 report. Uh, I started national disclosure back in June of 98, but I could not find consolidated totals anywhere. So I had to do, um, you know, guesstimates, factoring, and so forth to get the uh, total wealth whether it be on government pension funds, government investment funds, uh, and so forth. But about eight months ago, uh, I happened to find the Z1 report, which is put out by the Federal Reserve. Now, of course, it's not talked about, not promoted. And it's very important to look at the raw data tables. Now, if you do find a financial institution or a government referencing the Z1 report, they will always do it in net figures. So say, for example, government may have a uh, $78 trillion uh, uh, positive uh, holding of uh, wealth, okay? But if they have a $78 trillion in positive, they'll create, projecting out 50 years, $70 trillion in liabilities. Oof. There goes their standing wealth, uh, you know, de detracted by projecting ahead 50 years. <clears throat> and they don't project out their income for the same 50 years. So a lot of times when they reference uh, the Z1 report, they'll be giving a net figure. So it's very, very important to look at the standing figures in the raw data tables. An example, if you look at the government pension funds, It'll show local government, and it has A, B, and C, and federal government, A, B, and C. Uh, a would be the normal government job for local government. B would be school districts, education, and C would be enterprise groups, uh, recycling plants, golf courses, and so forth. Federal you know, A is the normal federal employee, B would be military, and C would be enterprise operations that the federal government is operating. Now, the report I have on my site as an example on the raw data tables, it showed about uh, 16 point something trillion dollars on the pension funds collectively, local and federal. But, you know, I took a look uh, recently at the 2019 data, you know, four years uh, later. They were verging on uh, $21, 22000000000000 trillion in collective wealth. <coughs> now, 
when I say $22 trillion, that's whether it be equities, whether it be real estate, whether it be shopping malls, apartment complexes, uh, currency forward transactions, uh, investments in uh, China, Russia, uh, Poland, Mexico, South America, Argentina. Yeah, it, it's they've taken the investment, uh, you know, uh, uh, takeover across the globe. You know, government's not just investing in the United States. In fact, uh, they've been doing some major plays. I don't know if people remember back in the 80s about Mexico. You'd hear, Mexican peso hits a new low. Mexican peso hits another new low. Oh, my God, the Mexican peso had a new contract low. No, well, actually, the Mexican uh, peso was targeted by the collective institutional government funds. They ran the value of the peso down through the floor, down to about 5 6% of what it was. I mean, they knocked out 95% of the value. Then they came in and sank in about $480 billion invested into the Mexican economy, buying up different industry groups and so forth. And they passed NAFTA, GATT, and so forth, and opened up the, uh, the floodgates between the United States and Mexico. And during that time period, anything you picked up in Walmart or Kmart said made in Mexico. Well, you know, people were complaining, oh, they are Mexicans. What they didn't realize was, you know, who profits? You always have to look at who profits. At $480 billion that uh, collective U.S. government invested in Mexico, they focused on placing orders with companies that they had primary control over. And I added up the profits over about a four-and-a-half-year period. $480 billion turned into about $5.2 trillion. Yeah, that was their first taste of blood. Then they targeted India. That didn't work out too well for them. Ran into a little opposition there. Then the Soviet bloc countries, if you remember Gorbachev uh, back in the 80s, he goes, we're going to go democratic. And you know, what people didn't realize was uh, Russia and Gorbachev took a look at the numbers in the United States. And they saw the exponential takeover of the wealth by government in the United States. So we actually wrote the best blueprint for government takeover, period. And, you know, Gorbachev saw that, so we're going democratic. And at that point in time, being that he needed our help to be able to play the same routines we did, uh, we wanted to break apart the Soviet Union. It was a little bit too powerful of a group. So we dangled the carrot of six trillion dollars of investment capital that would be invested in Russia, you know, uh, Poland, Czechoslovakia, all the Soviet bloc groups, if they disbanded the Soviet Union. Gorbachev bit. We invested uh, $6 trillion into uh, the Soviet bloc countries, which averaged between 85 to 135% returns, which is pretty good. Uh, then in 1998, 99, 2000, the big cherry was China. Again, we sank in about 5 or $6 trillion into the Chinese economy, targeting certain industry groups. Then we opened up the floodgates with China, focusing the orders from the U.S. to the industry groups that we took over in China, 
And here, our government, through their investment capital, was taking advantage of the cheap labor in China. So the capitalization after about 10 years at you know five or six trillion we invested was now easily over 30 trillion dollars in market value and in fact in 2010 uh, no it was actually 2014 2014 the uh, Chinese government were it was complaining that yeah, the U.S. government and local governments in the United States collectively were taking over their industry groups. And China cut off any further investments from U.S. government, uh, local governments in the United States, or U.S. government-controlled corporations. Cut it off altogether. Bip, no more investments in China. Stayed that way for 10 months. And those Chinese are pretty smart cookies. They came back in and said, okay, we're going to open up the uh, investment flow again, but under one condition. You own 20% of a company, we must own 20% uh, of a company. You own 40% of a company, we must own 40% of that company. And that was the new standard that was required. <laughs> so, so, you know, so not only uh, you know, did they take advantage of that, uh, they knew that the government, uh, U.S. government's uh, focus on investments that run to now almost guarantee orders through. So we were making money for the Chinese government, which we got even in 2015 by collapsing the Chinese. We're, we're professional short derivative players. I was a commodity trading advisor for 15 years, and government basically has taken over the marketplace. <clears throat> and in fact, some states like Pennsylvania started off their own derivative clearing operations under Note 8 of the Pennsylvania uh, CAFR. And, you know, they do more uh, derivative transactions than Merrill Lynch did as a company and so forth. <clears throat> you know, but we targeted China and collapsed their, their market by 65% in a month. <laughs> the Chinese government was throwing a trillion here and a trillion there trying to prop up their marketplace, but against the U.S. government cartel, they didn't stand a chance. And they didn't know how to play the derivative market as we did, and we had more capital than God and could exercise that derivative capital, whether it be from Switzerland, from uh, Hong Kong, or Australia, wherever we had our accounts uh, open. And in fact, even on the equity that we were holding in China, yeah, they could short or dump. So with that 65% uh, drop in a month's time on the Chinese market, we walked with about $35, $40 trillion <laughs> from the Asian markets and uh, teach those Chinese to try to pull a fast one on the U.S. government institutional investment funds. <clears throat> we actually gave them quite a good spanking for the, the game they played the year before, cutting us off for 10 months. But, um, you know, it's a buildup of wealth. Now, on the Z1 report, there's you know, several hundred tables and it covers every aspect of wealth. The wealth held by the banks, wealth held by the brokerage, wealth held by the uh, insurance companies, uh, wealth held by local governments, federal governments, and it's wealth held by the private sector, wealth held by uh, corporate, corporate America, financial, non-financial. So it's a, yeah, it's probably the most important data to see who owns what. Now, when you look at the banks, brokerage, and insurance companies, you know, you know, they always try to feed you the opposite impression of reality. And 
everybody has always been saying for the last couple of decades, it's the big bad banks. And after the big bad banks, it's the big bad brokerage operations. Well, when you look at the actual figures, the insurance companies have more than twice uh, that of the banks and the brokerage houses combined. Twice. Okay? So here you have the insurance companies holding the majority of the wealth. Yeah, totally opposite and contrary to the impression they try to spoon-feed us. In fact, you don't never hear one mention of the insurance companies holding wealth because they are the ones holding it. And on the banks and the brokerage houses and the insurance companies, who is their number one investor? Collective government, local and federal. So the wealth you see being held by the banks, brokerage houses, and insurance companies, a very large percentage of that wealth is actually government institutional funds being managed, you know, for government. And then when you look at the wealth of the private sector, you're not going to see this pointed out anywhere, but when they calculate up the wealth of the private sector, government employees are part of the private sector. <laughs> Guess who's getting paid very well? So a good percentage of the wealth they show for the private sector was derived by government paying government employees. And as I mentioned on those collective government pension funds, 22 trillion as of 2019, the, uh, I've never been able to figure out and justify why we're, you know, here we have government taxing the population and adding on one tax after another, after another, one fee, one fine, after another, after another. Why were we paying their pension funds. I, I, I have never, ever been able to justify and figure out, you know, why. You know, the private sector, they pay for their own pension funds. You know, we have our own 401k plans if we can afford one. So why are we paying for government employees' retirement? And it, it was only done for one reason, greed and opportunity. Government created that for themselves for one reason only. They could, period. It's like saying if you could take a look at the winning uh, uh, numbers for the Powerball <laughs> in advance, would you? Uh, well, it would be a very strong temptation. You know, see what they were. Well, Walter, Walter, basically, why should the government take money out of their pocket to pay those funds, like those pension funds, if they can just con the American people into doing it? Well, as I mentioned, uh, with the 12, 13, 14-year-old, you know, I asked the parent, if, would they give him card blanche right there on allowance check? Everyone says, of course not, never. And keep in mind, with this kind of money coming in for government, it is very, very important that they keep the population masterfully entertained and distracted off into la-la land as they continue business as usual. You know, anyone that's on this conference call, if you run a business, um, employing so many people, I'm making X amount of money per week, and if I do this, I'll, you know, maybe increase my sales by 20%, you know, and if I invest here, uh, I'm getting 16% return there, if I go there, 
you know, you're, you're, you're thinking about everything you're going to be doing with your own life and your finances and so forth. Uh, you know, government has been taking from the population and only doing so out of greed and opportunity. The justification for the amount they take is, a, you know, it, it, there's no real justification. And I noticed something about the school districts. I noticed this 25 years ago. Uh, the more money a school district was getting, the worse the results were. Those little schoolhouses out in Iowa and you know, so forth, farm, rural land, who was you know, getting the least amount of money per student, were getting the best results, period. Yeah, so we conditioned the teachers and the educa educators to intentionally get poor results so they can justify more money, more money, more money. Oh, oh, they're all failing their classes because we don't have enough money, you know. But the, you know, like I said, the little schoolhouse uh, type uh, Iowa and so forth, uh, Indiana, uh, those teachers were, you know, kicking out A-plus students, B-plus students. Very rarely a C. Amazing yeah, how so, that works. Yeah, so, I mean, when you look at the money involved, <clears throat> you know, government took it all. They took it over. And in the federal, you know, the statement of uh, the United States government, their financial report, you look through the notes section, it gives the real estate owned, you know, by federal government and local governments. And what would, what would your guess be of what percentage of real estate is owned by government? Of the USA. Take well, if you take a if you take a look at like the BLM maps and things like that, it's really pushing on maybe seventy percent or more. Eighty three. Eighty three percent of all of the land is owned by government. About seventeen well, percent well, for everybody else. Well, you know, Walter, one of the things that I look at is that. Over the course of the history of this nation, we've always heard, you know, um, these complaints about communism creeping in and different congressmen <laughs> trying to do things about it. And, you know, socialism is just a hair's breadth away from total communism. And if you look at you, the basic it, it, definition quick, of socialism. Quick, let me give you a quick notation along what you're saying. 1946, I mentioned GFOA. Government Financial Officers Association. Well, GFOA came basically from a think tank out in Chicago. They used to refer to it as PASH 1313 because I think it was at uh, 1313-57th Street in Chicago. But it was a Bolshevik think tank. And they knew they could take over the United States depending on the greed and opportunity principle of the players within government in the United States. As Hal Capone used to say, the rest is history. Yeah, the Comprehensive Annual Finance Report gave them the ability to hide their wealth. <laughs> and, you know, let, let the $100 bills fly, let the billions build up, let the yeah, power right. games begin, you know. Absolutely. Like, but like I was going to say, socialism, basic definition of it is that all property is vested in the state. Owned by the state, yeah. Yeah. Now, the difference was, you know, in Russia, you know, they said, we are, the, we are the state. We will take care of you. 
you know. And yeah, that's how the Russian people were living. But what they were doing in the United States, you know, even though government still owned and was taking over everything, ownership of everything, all of the wealth, you know, we created an environment of putting the chipmunk on the treadmill, you know, chasing the carrot. Well, the chipmunk running on the treadmill chasing the carrot or the horse chasing the carrot generated a whole bunch more energy than what was happening in Russia of, we are the state, we will take care of you. <laughs> you know, they had smart people, they had diligent people, well-intentioned workers and everything else, but you didn't have that fire lit under the minds of the people in Russia, as was Walter, being done in the United States by dangling Walter, the carrot. There's a, uh, I don't recall his name now, and if I did, I probably wouldn't be able to pronounce it, but there is a KGB agent supposedly from Russia that supposedly defected to the United States. And um, I think he wrote some literature and, and did a lot of speeches. And one of the things he said was that when he came over here, when it came to a country being able or a government being able to take over a nation, the first thing that came to his realization when he came to the USA was, wow, these guys have it mastered. Yeah, exactly. And that's why Russia went democratic in the 80s and China in 1999. We wrote the better blueprint for communism, period. The takeover of the wealth from the entire population into the hands of government. Keep in mind, they have you know federal income tax, they have sales tax in all the um, you know, states now, 8.5%. Uh, I'm starting off a group called the TRFA, Tax Retirement Fund Association is the first group to consult with local governments to put them on the fiduciary trust principle to meet their budgets so taxation can be taken off the table. The only one in the world putting that forward. But I chose New Mexico. Uh, I grew up in New Jersey, which has excessively high taxes. I mean, the people back in New Jersey are constantly getting screwed. But New Mexico, I found out was even worse. They uh, tax labor. I always thought it was illegal. In New Mexico, you know, you go to an attorney, uh, I'm going to charge you $5,000. Then he adds on 8.5%. <laughs> There's a labor tax in New Mexico. If you have a checking account, the bank charges you a $15 you know, monthly fee, 8.5% tax on the $15 fee. Send out a wire, $30, wow. 8.5%. You know, so here, I mean, they have it down to an art of taking uh, it from the entire population. Now, I'm building the National Headquarters for TRFA in uh, Gallup, New Mexico. And they kind of let the ball slip oh, about three years ago, four years ago. Uh, now, keep in mind, uh, the city of Gallup is not really that big. Maybe it has a population of about 24,000. And the city employees, yeah, it's couple of hundred well they made the mistake of uh, getting a little braggadocious uh, that year and they said we made 1.2 billion dollars on our pension funds this year <laughs> 1.2 billion <clears throat> I can't wait to tell them well TRF funds uh, if you're doing so well for yourself I guess we can phase out taxation pretty damn quick in your state you know the I've had uh, probably Let's see, one governor, two state treasurers, 
couple congressmen and senators, you know, when I mentioned to them regarding using the fiduciary trust principle to meet budgets and phase out taxation, I mean, totally phase it out, they would say, Walter, show me where that's worked anywhere in the country before at any time. He never asked me that question again. Because my reply is, it's worked in every venue in the country for almost the last hundred years. And they go, what? I said, you not you had no problem creating your multi-trillion dollar pension funds. They're fiduciary trust funds. And you have the return targeted to pay your exorbitant salaries and benefits at retirement. You did that for yourself. What I'll be doing is setting up, you know, GRF funds, which are fiduciary uh, trust funds, except the return will be targeted to meet that local city, that county, that school district's budgets. So taxation is not needed. You know, they've always, you know, said, well, I need taxing. How can government survive without taxation? You know, they try to uh, spoon feed us that garbage. And we've, we've bit for the last hundred years. But in reality, they've already, they've now proven through the creation of their multi-trillion dollar pension funds, which are generating close to $4 trillion a year, okay, <clears throat> that you can phase out taxation using the exact same principle. Picture a school district. You establish a fiduciary trust fund, build it the same way as you would a pension fund. You get it to a point where the return is meeting that school district's budget. Now, usually in most venues, 65% of property tax goes to the school district. <laughs> you set up a fiduciary trust fund to meet their budgets. But, yeah, start knocking out property tax. Well, Walter, we, we, we allowed it. We allowed it. Well, people allowed it just out of kind of ignorance, and uh, and that ignorance oh, is actually willful. Look, look, look at the money involved. Look at the money involved. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. But I, I want to break this down kind of in a nutshell, if I can, for the common man or woman to comprehend what's going on here. Um, and I, I totally realize what you were saying. I've listened to many hours uh, of um, things that you said. But, you know, for the common people, the way I see it, to kind of put it simply, is that you know, they raise millage, which is what it's called in some places, you know, for the schools or whatever. And that money then for these schools actually goes into a big chunk of it goes into investments, into other companies, into okay. the gamble on Wall Street or whatever. And they're making big money off from that. But they're not telling you about that part of the situation. They're only telling well, they, you about... They, they, in the regular budget, okay, they're only allowed to invest in very safe, you know, bank interest, uh, CDs, and so forth. But when it comes down to pension funds, they can do whatever the hell they want. When it comes down to specialty holding funds that are not part of the budget, they can do whatever they want. In fact, a lot of them, they've invested with different pension fund management groups that are getting 16, 8%, 18% returns per year. You know, the, uh, if you remember back uh, in the 2008 bubble burst, you know, here, 2008, oh, our pension funds took such a bad hit. Oh, we're now only 40% funded. Oh, my God. We can, will we survive? I mean, People buy, you know, they, they, they buy all this stuff. I mean, they, they just hear it. Oh, my God, that's terrible. 
Ah, I can see why they need more money. Yeah. How many people actually look? The uh, California, they, they did a really cute move. Most government pension funds were set up as strictly participatory. And what strictly participatory meant is it's, it's like buying a ticket to go on a train ride, say, from New York City to Los Angeles. You get a ticket to ride, and when you leave New York and you hit Los Angeles, you don't try to walk off the train with the seat you know, that you were sitting on. You don't own one piece of the train. You just had a ticket to ride. So strictly participatory pension funds, which most system funds are, are, are the same. Even though the employees are putting in money and taxpayer money is going in, right, the employee doesn't own one penny of the fund. They just have a contract, a ticket to ride to get paid X amount when they retire. Okay? So the actual local government owns the fund, owns the revenue in those system pension funds. Now, what California did on the 2008 bubble burst, listen very closely. They laid off 20,000 people, okay, state workers, okay, by laying off 20,000 employees, there went the liability for 20,000 people in the pension funds, okay? Because they're funding the pension funds to say, well, we have X amount of employees, we're going to have to pay them their salary when they retire, but if you fire 20,000, there goes 20,000 liabilities. California then withdrew, you know, 40, 45 billion from their pension funds. <laughs> it was not needed at the time after firing 20,000 employees and used it wherever they felt like it. And then after the bubble burst and things are coming back around 2009, 2010, California now rehires, rehires 20,000 employees, right, which instantly put 20,000 new employees on the pension funds, system pension funds in California. And that's where they started screaming, oh, my God, we're only 50% funded. Yeah, because they're projecting out 35 years when these people retire. They already pulled funds out of the pension funds. And now all they did was create, you know, rehire the people again and creating a whole new liability. Do you think the people ever caught on to that or the employees? No. Never flipped. They never looked. But if you backtrack, all of these system pension funds put out comprehensive annual financial reports. You can get the New York State Retirement Fund CAFR. You can get the, uh, you know, CalPERS CAFR. And just, you know, supposedly they're supposed to be paying out to the employees so you'll see the deductions on you know from the fund balances and what they paid the employees and if they took a market loss you'll see you know the market loss net market loss but if you see a 35 billion dollar withdrawal okay you ask the question where the hell did that go to who benefited yeah, you know, so they played that game from the 2008 bubble burst, which, by the way, government institutional funds manipulated 
the bubble burst. Yeah, there was some movie, I forget what it was called, about a couple of bankers and brokers and how supposedly they figured it out made a few million dollars. That was chump change on chump change. <clears throat> From the bubble burst in 2008, the government institutional funds probably walked with about $30 trillion. I was a commodity trading advisor. <clears throat> you know, gold, silver, alloy, corn, soybeans, currencies. And <clears throat> back during the 2008 bubble burst, oh my God, this one lost one and a half billion, this one lost two, you know, two billion, this guy, this group lost a trillion dollars on their derivative positions. <clears throat> well, here's a fact. For every one dollar lost, on the derivative markets in one account, $1 is credited to another account. There's both sides of the trade. So the people were losing trillions of dollars who got the other side the profits. You didn't hear anyone talking about that, did you? That's because the major profits swung into the government institutional funds and a lot of them, which they're managing offshore, Hong Kong, Australia, China, and so forth. <clears throat> the public got screwed, but government, you know, jumped up their wealth in, one, in leaps and bounds. They did that, you know, when I mentioned Mexico, they did it with Mexico. They did it with the uh, Soviet bloc. They did it with China, you know. They're professional market manipulators. Take, you know, government turned into a takeover machine, period. And they've basically been taking over the wealth. <clears throat> I mean, forget taxation. You know, you have to look at where the wealth is being transferred. When you have, you know, governments taking your productivity value, a certain percentage of your income, and they're also, you know, taking eight and a half percent of every transaction you do at the stores. That's a phenomenal amount of wealth transferring to government every single day. But then, you know, people go, "Whoa, government performs a service. We want them to uh, take care of us, take care of the streets, and teach our children." Okay, and here's the biggest slap in the face, biggest wake-up call everyone in the country could get. And it's very, very simple to do. <clears throat> Government on all levels has been exponentially expanding, outpacing the income of the population by a factor of 25 to 30 to 1. What you do, <clears throat> I did, I'll use the example of Arizona. <clears throat> I pulled up the oldest state CAFR I could find online. That was for 1993. And in the CAFR, in the statistical section, it goes back another 10 years. <clears throat> and if I looked at 1983, the state's operating budget, you know, the budget was about $850 million, And the total cash gross receipts from all operations was $1.1 billion. Okay? So $850 million was their budget, 1.1 billion total gross receipts. Jump ahead 25 years to 2008. Budget, 
of about $63 billion. Total cash gross receipts, about $110, $115 billion. So they went from about $1 billion, 25 years later, up to about $115 billion, 100 times fold. <clears throat> now, if you look at the population, that's also good in the statistical section. It shows you what the average personal income is in the state. 1983, the average personal income, in the statistical section, it shows it. <clears throat> listed it as 10,300. 2008, 30,100. So the population increased their income on average, by threefold. Now, Arizona as a state, if you look at the increase in population, you know, well, the government's supposed to be doing a lot for the population, roads, police, and everything else. <clears throat> the population from 83 to 2008 in Arizona doubled, exactly doubled. So here we have personal income going up three times for, for the population. Population numbers doubled. But, you know, with the population increasing their income threefold, government increased its income 100-fold. Slight tad bit of a disparity there. Now, you can do that on every level for a city, a county, state. Now, government depends on people having short-term memories, you know, and not looking. <clears throat> You know, and they just keep a perpetual loop going each year. Oh, it's Christmas time. Oh, Valentine's Day. Oh, we have Independence Day, Memorial Day. You could probably take the news feed from eight years ago and <laughs> play it this year. Most people won't even notice the difference. It's a perpetual loop. They keep us saying as we're masterfully entertained into distraction. Yes, sir. And when you look at the trillions of dollars involved, these guys are sharp and ruthless. And on every level, whether it be a little small town or a large city, fit in the courts out of how much money they bring in for the day. You know, I, 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 I live out in the Arizona, the old west as they call it. <clears throat> well, everyone watches the movies where train robberies, uh, stagecoach robberies, Billy the Kid. Well, <clears throat> There's more money, wealth, taken every day by law enforcement across the country, every day, than was ever robbed in the West the entire time, you know, by bank robbers and stagecoach robbers and so forth. <clears throat> you know, so... <clears throat> Yeah, you know, organized crime used to be the numbers. You know, you had numbers, prostitution, bootlegging. The uh, government took over the numbers. The lottery, they're making a thousand times more, more than a thousand times more than the organized crime ever did. Powerball, mega booms, uh, scratch off tickets. All right. You know, and, I got, and it doesn't I, register. I got booted offline for a minute. <clears throat> You well, you know what, Walter? No, I'm fine. No, I, I, 
got booted offline. I had to reboot my system and come back on. But, you know, that this kind of reminds me, and you were talking about the timing of when a lot of this started uh, back in the 40s, and a lot of stuff seemed to have started back then. But thinking of um, towards the end of what, uh, second or third Godfather movie, and I've mentioned this before, <clears throat> you know, the uh, and gosh, what, where do you think they got this idea for another set of books from? You know what I mean? But the wife was saying to the husband, hey, you know, Vinny got pinched, so-and-so's in prison for the rest of her life. This has happened, that's happened. I can't take this lifestyle anymore. And he said to her, he said, honey, don't worry about it. In a few years, we'll all be legit. And that's exactly what they did. They, what did they do? They moved into government. Well, Al Capone's favorite statement back in the 30s, it'd say, what the hell are we doing fighting government? Let's become government, and we'll do whatever the hell we want. And the rest is history, <clears throat> you know. And he had the entire local government, you know, in his pocket. They couldn't take him out through the Chicago police or anyone else. You, uh, the Chicago attorneys, you know, government attorneys, they couldn't touch him. That's why the feds uh, hit him up on a, you know, IRS uh, conviction. Because he had all the local government politicians in his pocket. <clears throat> so forth IRS, is their, but, IRS seems to be their favorite uh enforcement tool yeah and there's something cute i learned about the irs uh the you know for years i had people ask me walter what do you think about the irs what do you know about the irs and i i just never bothered looking it wasn't really a concern but 2010 after being prompted a thousand times yeah i started looking at the irs and the first thing I did was I looked at the communications between the IRS and Congress, Senate, Treasury, uh, Attorney General's office, <clears throat> and, you know, all of the communications, you know, when Congress, Senate, Treasury was replying to the IRS would say, we prefer if you do this, it is recommended that you do it this way. Federal agencies do not talk to each other that way they'll say this is the guidelines this is how it has to be done you know you're doing it wrong correct it now you know so it was always asking recommended preferred suggested <laughs> you know so that was my first uh, tip you know not a government agency then i looked for their annual yeah. financial report i looked for their annual financial report and I found the annual financial report, which actually I have up on my download page, one of them. And it noted that they have two annual finance reports. It was the only organization that I've ever seen that had two annual finance reports. One for their debt collection, they're under, it says in this section, they're under contract with Congress to collect the federal tax. And, uh, you know, so one annual finance report is for their obligation to collect the income tax, okay? The other one is their internal corporate annual finance report. They keep that under lock and key. Never been able to get that one. <clears throat> so, you know, again, more of an indication of a private organization. But then, and I did note when I was looking through the communications, Congress, Senate, and so forth, <clears throat> you know, they passed statutes allowing 
the IRS, they have loaner <laughs> law enforcement. Those criminal investigation agents of the IRS are federal employees. But they are on loan through an act of Congress to the IRS. Okay? They are That's not subcontractors. Yeah, exactly. And they're federal employees, federal law enforcement, on loan to the IRS. <clears throat> okay. There are things piling up for, you know, private organization. Then the cream or the icing on the cake, you know, the final 100% determination came when I looked and I saw the IRS was not audited. Very first audit was 1993. <laughs> There is no federal organization, either direct or enterprise, that was not audited from day one, period. Being that here they're clearly noting the very first audit of the IRS was 1993, that told me conclusively that they're a private collection agency, period. Now, I remember some tax guru a couple of years ago, I mentioned this to him. He goes, oh, no, 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 the IRS is a federal group. Look right here, it's IRS. Uh, they're listed right there as a federal agency. You know, <clears throat> caught me off guard for a second. Then after I had the phone with him, I pulled up. There is an IRS, Internal Revenue Service, listed as a federal agency, right? But I pulled up their budget. Now, keep in mind, the IRS that we know is a massive organization, okay? The IRS listed as a federal agency, minuscule budget. What that is, is the liaison between the federal government and the IRS, which they also entitle the IRS. But when you look at their budget, yeah, it's 100% obvious they're not the group, the IRS, as we know it. You know, anybody who, that IRS is messing with, they should immediately motion for discovery of IRS's corporate annual financial report. Because one of the first axioms in a civil lawsuit is, who are you up against? They refuse to give you their corporate annual financial report. Not the one for their collection obligation for collecting the tax, but their internal corporate. You don't have to go a step further. <clears throat> you can hold them up until a hull throws over if they don't reply with giving you their annual financial report. <clears throat> I had a uh, neighbor out here, uh, Dick, he's, he died a couple years back, but he used to work for, I think, uh, Lockheed on their production line was a, uh, a supervisor overseeing the jet engines coming off the line. Well, you know, he was getting $85 an hour normally, and he got a whole, whole bunch of overtime. And the IRS hit him up for like almost 400000 <laughs> back taxes, fines, fees, and everything else. He paid an attorney 20000 bucks, and after, the year, after a year, the attorney goes, well, I guess you're just going to have to pay him. You know, so Dick started independently talking to the IRS and the local office. He got a hold of an old timer. The old timer set up a meeting and the actual old timer came out to his place. And he goes, 
if you look at all of your paperwork, it says claimed debt. And if you went into bankruptcy court, anyone that goes into bankruptcy court, you can only discharge a real debt. You cannot discharge a claimed debt. He goes, what I want you to do, I'm going to cut an agreement here with you. You'll pay the absolute minimum, $185 a month, okay? And make about five or six payments. So now you have a contract. You've made payments under the debt. Now you can file bankruptcy, and you're discharging a real debt, and it can be discharged. So my neighbor Dick goes to the IRS agent, who's an old-timer. He's going to retire in about three months. He goes, why are you telling me this? He goes, well, I'm retiring in about three months, and I think they're all a bunch of assholes. <laughs> so, so Dick, Dick made about four or five months of payments and declared bankruptcy and was totally discharged. Wow. You know, so, I mean, all these people, I'm going to fight the IRS. They go to court. They try to declare bankruptcy, and the court goes, I'm sorry, we're not going to include the IRS's uh, claim debt in your bankruptcy proceedings. I'm sorry, you're still going to have to pay them. Because it's a claim just, debt. You cannot charge a claim debt in a bankruptcy hearing. That's just the word trickery they use. Yeah, it's a very basic, simple thing. <clears throat> but once you, you cut an agreement and you're making payments, it becomes a real debt under agreement. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you're talking about associations, <clears throat> and that's one of the things <clears throat> that I quickly found in um, – my research, and especially like reading um, Carol Quigley, where he talked about, you know, eventually what would run things would be rings within rings. And I was like, you know, I thought, well, what are these rings? And one day, you know, something just popped in my head to get on a search engine and just look up the phrase, attorney's best kept secret. And only one <laughs> thing popped up, and it was mm. private associations. Mm. And it talked about private associations. And you start looking into what you think of as government, and you see that everything is run by private associations. And people are screaming, mm -hmm. oh, we got to make them get back to the Constitution. They're using the Constitution because operating through association is protected in the Constitution. And that they left themselves a back door right there. You know, and here's a big point. Here's, association. A, here's, yeah. here's, a, here's a big pointer. How many people have you heard saying, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican? They don't even have a clue what they're saying. They just parrot it off. I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican. You know, both the Democratic and Republican parties are private associations designed from the get-go to get their people in to have access to the till. End of story. I've heard their top people say, tell the public whatever the hell they want to hear. Once you get our guys in the office, they can do whatever they want. You know? Yeah. They're private associations. How many, how many people do you think even know the Democratic and Republican Party are private associations? Like the Boy Scouts and you, or the Girl Scouts. Very few. Look into, look into their paperwork and see how they're formed. And they're both formed as, I believe it's a 527 association under the IRS. And, and, and real quick here, I want to point out, guys, 
This is uh, in regards to the entire monetary system of the United States Corporation, of which they have a monopoly on. And this is also based on the monopoly of the labor union. If you wonder why John Ho Johnny uh, Johnny Hoffa disappeared, it's because he was opening up to the public the fact that this this uh, American oligarchy of a corporation is not only monopolizing the money, but the union labor uh, forces that you you're you're capable of using to your advantage for for uh, being compensated in that fiat currency. So they were getting you from both sides of it, and Johnny Hoppe was trying to to uh, expose that. So that's why he did. Well, it, it's not just a monetary well, I, uh, monopoly. It's it's the the uh, monopoly on your well, labor, that, your time. There there was a lot of games being played with the pension fund. Um, I mean, there were, you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars in the Teamsters and so yeah. forth, pension funds, and you know who was getting backed with the investment capital. Yeah, there was some shady deals that went down and, you know, <laughs> organized crime families and everything else. You know, Vito Genovese, hey, you need $50 million this month. Can you swing it over to us? Ah, oh, sure, not a problem. We'll say it's an uh, investment for a uh, condominium complex. Yeah, but, you know, they figured if Hoffa went down, he was going to take a whole lot of people with him, so they uh, made him disappear. Or so. Yeah, well, <laughs> initially had him, uh, every, every... They initially had him... Every transfer is a transfer of both rights and duties, and those duties comes come with liabilities. Uh, yeah, well, I kind of look at it in one way and one way only. Yeah, which is, you know, you've always, I mean, people have asked me, Walter, when did this happen back, start back in the 1800s, uh, early 1900s? And I said, no, it goes back a little further than that. Goes back to the caveman days. I said there used to be this caveman who had a uh, cave on a cliff overlooking the ocean. Cool ocean breeze, absolutely phenomenal view. And one day, someone from yeah, inland in the swamp areas, you know, not the nicest part of town, came knocking on the caveman's door. Hi, I just found 500 herd beasts. I captured four of them. They're so big, I'm going to have meat for the next uh, three years. You want to catch some yourself? The guy goes, sure. He goes, let me draw you a map. You go over that mountain, make a right at that canyon, make a left at that canyon, go down to the end of the canyon, and they're all herded down there. So the guy grabs the map, grabs this rope, goes over that mountain, makes a right at that canyon, left at that canyon, goes down to the end of the canyon, and what he finds are four ravenous saber-toothed tigers who promptly eat them for lunch. Now you have the other guy standing in his front door saying, hey, now i got a place for the view. That's when it started. Yep. And when you have this type of money involved, you know, on an institutional government level of extortion, you know, ever-growing, taking more and more and more and more, with the public being just masterfully entertained off in the la-la land, as they take more and more and more, and people never even pull out a adding machine, start adding up how much their city, their county, their state, their school district is bringing in. You know, so uh, these guys have been laughing all the way down to the bank for decades. And even on Walter, a school district... Oh. Oh, go ahead. On a school district, you know, most people... You know, they complain about the school districts and so forth. I saw a school district up in upstate New York, and I pulled up their CAFR, 
And they had a budget of about 33 million, 32 million. Not that big. But they only had 1,300 students. <laughs> Kindergarten through, uh, through uh, high school, yeah. I uh, divided their budget by the total number of students. It came out to like $30,000, $31,000 per student. Yeah. And I, said, you know, I put out a little note on that, giving me a link to their capper saying, uh, I wonder if the parents should require that their kids be gold-plated each year, yeah, charging that amount. <clears throat> People don't even do a basic exercise like that. It's so simple. And it's the same thing. You do the same thing with the city, county, and so forth. Here's a very important thing when you start looking at CAFRs. They used to show the gross dollar amount. If they had a $30 million fund in the combined financial columns, $30 million was shown for fund A, you know, which is designed for property acquisition, whatever. And, you know, in 98, when I started national disclosure and people started looking for the first time, had tens of thousands of people looking, you know, it was their, you know, oh, crap moment. The GASB changed the accounting structure, switching from a showing of gross balances to a showing of net balances. So that $30 million fund, which they normally would have shown, they create a $30 million liability. Now the balance is net zero. Yeah. So when you look at a CAFR, you'll see on every single page, uh, they make special note of it. Uh, these are net figures, net figures, because through that game of projected liabilities, there's quite a few games being played to hide massive masses of wealth. So it's very important to look through the notes sections of the CAFRs, because even though they may be showing a zero fund balance net, it may say the fund's sitting there with $30 million, there's $30 million in liability, thus net balance uh, zero, you know. Yeah, so it's very important to look through the notes section of any campers. But, you know, back to that Z1 report, everyone in the country now has the raw data tables available to them to see the total number as far as wealth held, whether it be by corporations, banks, brokerage houses, insurance companies, local government, federal government, held by the pension funds. It gives on mortgages. Government, directly or indirectly, is funding about 85% of all the mortgages in this country. Bing, 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 a few trillion dollars, like uh, 30. <laughs> I have a question for you, but, Walter. <clears throat> sure. I have a question. Uh, because we're told that you know when a child is born today, that uh, they're automatically in debt, say, for you know, yeah. 52. That's, that's that's why they have them get a social security card before they leave the hospital. They, last time I checked, they figured over the lifetime of the person, they would make $7 million, uh, thus, uh, or $7 million in taxes they'll pay. And it gives an instant credit line of $7 million per individual uh, that signs up for social security. So, you know, government and the treasury determines its uh, credit line based on the total population and the age of the population. Like I said, a newborn has uh, got a whole life to live, so it's a big chunk of change as far as the credit line. I well, caught that you know, one it, about 
30, 35 years ago. Yeah. yeah, so not only are you surety for the U.S., but you're also a benefit to them. But I was going to say, you know, they, they say that you're automatically, when you're born, like $52,000 in debt compared to the debt of the nation. Have you looked at these numbers on the Z1 report and kind of broken it down to what actually each man or woman really is supposed to be, should be getting, and what I they're really generating? I, 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 didn't, I didn't spend too much time looking at the private sector, but it does break down the debt that the private sector is under. And the private sector was the only one uh, in like nine, nine, 90 some odd trillion uh, as their net worth or whatever, their, their wealth, total wealth. And then they were only about 58 trillion in debt. <laughs> yeah, but they had a, you know, about a 30, you know, 30 some odd trillion dollar positive. Whereas government, which had a massive <laughs> held, they create liabilities to give themselves a zero balance by projecting liabilities ahead 50 years. Corporations did the exact same thing. The total wealth shown held by the corporations was offset by total liabilities, creating another net zero. You know, um, but yeah, you know, I suggest uh, looking at the uh, tables for the private sector regarding how they list, you know, what areas the debt is under. You know, I know the mortgages government is funding most of the mortgages, either directly or indirectly. Uh, so a good chunk of the debt is mortgages uh, for the private sector. But keep in mind what I mentioned yeah. before, the private sector includes government employees. Uh, if you take yeah, a look absolutely. at what percentage is actually yeah, derived by government. And, you, know, the, the, you know, the bottom line comes down to this is the wealthiest country in the world. Uh, the productivity value of the population, you know, in one way, shape, <coughs> form, another, whether it be their government's investment income, their tax income, you know, uh, fee income, uh, you know, sales tax income. They're taking, either directly or indirectly, well over 50% of the productivity value of the population. That's massive, massive. And the public, who should be steaming, you know, red hot, uh, scratches their head saying, oh, there's, just, there's something wrong here, but I just can't put my finger on it. You know, we're all masterfully entertained. I mean, it's, now the Super Bowl, yeah, I'm 64 years old now. I have not watched one Super Bowl in my lifetime. I've not watched one World Series in my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, no interest. People, though, on the other hand, uh, are one-on-one you know, sports, so I'll watch from time to time. But the most important thing to me is trying to protect people. Yeah, so I was even when I was younger, I learned to box, wrestle, uh, you know, uh, with the best of them. You know, back when I was 18, I could flip over a Chevy Impala if I got mad enough. Yeah, and I used to protect a lot of people. I, it was fun. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It's always fun watching well, 25 bullies tuck, tuck their tail in between the legs and back off. But <laughs> well, this goes back to that goes back to the Roman times. You guys say it goes back to their bread and circuses and their coliseums. Exactly. And one of the big things that they did at that time as well is 
they had contests where they picked out who was the best chef in town. Oh my gosh, doesn't that sound familiar? Contest between mm -hmm. chefs. But I, I want to digress. I want to go back to something that you had brought up earlier because the real culprit behind things are normally the things that are not talked about. And, exactly. you know, today, today people will say like the Rothschilds and Rockefellers and this. Well, guess what? If you know those. Not things, at all. Not, not even, not even then, close. Then they they're not even close. Exactly. The, they used to be powerful at the end of the 1800s, uh, 1910, 20, 30, 40s. And in fact, actually in the 40s, when they started off GFOA and everything else, and, you know, out of Chicago and, yeah, they had an instrumental role in getting that done and helping and financing because they figured with government going on the annual financial reporting accounting structure, all the investment capital will be outside of the view of the population and they'll get all of their funding they need for any of their projects. You know, so those families, you know, were behind seeing government going on the annual financial reporting and accounting structure. Yeah, it worked out good for them in the 40s, 50s. And going into the 60s, but going into the 70s, government was bringing in so much damn money and wealth. It made those, you know, the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds and everybody else look like a bunch of kids selling lemonade on the street corner in comparison. Yeah, so no longer were these guys, so, you, know, you know, had this massive influence and clout. They kind of, you know, drifted off. Yeah, we'll take your advice. Yeah, you can consult with us from time to time, but we're in control here. Yeah, it's the golden rule. Who owns all the gold makes the rules. And right. as government well, took well, over exponentially, here they pushed everybody else out. Period. Right. Well, that, but to me, that, right. to me, they were just kind of mm -hmm. the street thugs doing the work for somebody else. Is if you know the names, then guess what? It's not them. It's somebody else. It, because I want to say it's like what you were saying earlier on. Uh, you were talking about insurance companies. Everybody complains about the banks. Oh, it's the banks. It's the banks. Nobody talks about the insurance companies. And that's where you it, really have they call to look it, at. They call it misdirection. That they, I mean, government has misdirection down to a fine art of playing a Stradivarius uh, violin. Absolutely. And I don't know if you've looked into it or not, but, you know, when... People are now starting to learn more about bonds and maybe uh, bonds that are attached to court cases and things like that. And I've had people mm -hmm. ask me, well, where do I go to get a bond or look at bond? It, it's a, go to insurance companies. They're the ones that do them. And I don't know if you've really looked into the bonds regarding the courts or not. Have, have you checked that out? Uh, well, I heard people talking about it you know, how they're making money on every prisoner, and which I think they, they are making money on every prisoner because they can project ahead 10, 15, 20 years saying, this prisoner is going to guarantee us X amount of income over that period of time, which means it gives us a credit line of X amount today to build more jails. But the thing I found absolutely fascinating, I was looking at Maricopa County Superior Court and uh, on a corporate level, and... I noticed that they gave their address as the exact same address for the Arizona Court of Appeals building, right? Wow. And then I did a DMB lookup on, you know, them and the address and so forth. And lo and behold, I see Maricopa Superior Court owned courts in Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, 
<laughs> no what? What? You know, it's a business. So, you know, if yeah. you're making a killing on cash rolling in the door, they need some place to, you know, they've already built their palatial marble palaces. What are we going to do with the excess cash now? Well, uh, we can buy uh, the Spirit Court up in uh, Jackson, Tennessee, uh, you know, for a song and a dance. You know, there's another one in Florida, another one in Georgia. They start buying out other states' court districts. You know, and, well, and you know, it, becomes, it becomes assets under their corporation well, that, that goes to one of the that's one of the questions I've had is like if you go on Manta and you look up your courthouse or you look up the local police department and it'll say right there it'll say this is a privately held company and my first question is okay privately held by who well you got to be careful with uh, groups like Manta and so forth because anyone can come in and volunteer to be an editor <laughs> and change records, you know. Because I, I, I actually registered as an editor myself with Manta back oh, 15 years ago, and you know, Arizona, Florida, New York. I happened to put a link to their state cappers <laughs> and all of their records. I figured that would cheer them up a little bit, <clears throat> but um, you know, the. All local governments now are incorporated, period. And they're all operating as for-profit entities. Anything else is just BS and distraction. But outside of saying it, all you have to do is pull out their cappers and look back 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and look at their exponential takeover of the wealth. Their increase in the take, it's obscene on every level. And it's not like you have to be a master serving subpoenas and warrants to get their financial records. Their comprehensive annual financial report has a statistical section in the back giving you all the data. Walter, that reminds, me, that reminds me of a story I wanted you to tell. And it was about kind of a hit piece put out on you so that whenever anybody went to Google or whatever search engine, oh, yeah. I guess, uh-huh. the first thing they would find was this hit piece when they put in your name. But yeah, on your well, website, no, no, no. your website had a black layout. You want to tell that story? Okay, yeah. The, um, uh, back in 2010, I saw this. Uh, I've, I've only been attacked by three different things. Period. Since I started National Disclosure in '98, the uh, there's California tax group that tried to attack me. Some shill uh, that was uh, I'm trying to think of his name. Uh, uh, who was the guy in the water? Uh, the Watergate. Uh, uh, what was his name in Watergate? Did I end up being a talk show host? Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah, I know what you mean. I can't think of it. Yeah, well, he, it, the guy has, he lives right here has, in Southwest Florida too. Yeah, the guy, the guy has the same name, but it's not him. It's, it's some other guy. And you know, he tried to attack me a few times. And I looked into him, and you know, I love the Wayback Machine. You know, which is uh, where you can look up anyone's website. It takes snapshots. Yeah, and go back 15, absolutely. 20 years. You know. Yeah. yeah. So I looked up. Yeah, I looked up his website. And he was a uh, multi-level marketer. 
and even had a quote on his website saying, uh, find something in the news, say something negative or controversial about it, create controversy, thus you'll get thousands if not tens of thousands of people responding to you and you can increase your email list. So Mark he went Levin. From, um, he went from a, no, that's not the kind of thing I'm thinking of. So he went from a multi-level marketer, then he went into Y2K buff, and he just constantly kept promoting Y2K, Y2K, <coughs> Y2K. Gordon Liddy, uh, not Gordon Liddy. Ah, shit, I'm trying to think of the name. But the, uh, went into Y2K buff, and he got like 3 million uh, you know, email addresses. Yeah, from people replying to his Y2K articles, everything's going to fall apart in 2000. And then after Y2K, all of a sudden he shifts into being a an economist. <laughs> I love this. No financial training whatsoever. Yeah, but I guess I paid more. <clears throat> but the yeah. uh, so he was still, you know he attacked me just by creating controversy. All of these Kaffir things existed. At least have a picture of one on the cover of one on his website which I've had since day one, ah, you know, pictures and covers and so forth. Yeah, he, he would just say something totally false. But in 2010, I see, and that, the other group was Howard Jarvis Association. They just kept putting out a smear level when people asked for them to publish Kaffir links, you know, in their newsletter, which they would never would do. And they came up with this one smear letter they were sending out to everybody. You know, period. Totally avoiding the issue of mentioning the camper. <laughs> but, so, here on Reddit, I see this one page smear article primarily focused at me, but it also attacked Ellen Brown. Totally anonymous. Ah, Walter Bearing guy, he's a felon, he's a criminal, he's a con artist, this, that, and the other thing. You know, I would have loved to have him standing four feet from me. I could have, you know, taken his head and sh- shoved it up a place that uh, wouldn't see any light for about five years, but I didn't have that opportunity. Like I said, it was anonymous. So I read Reddit's posting policy, and you know, slander piece is a hundred percent against their policy. For, you know, for deletion. So I contacted Reddit, asking for it to be removed. This one-page slander piece. And Reddit replied back to me, and sorry, we're not going to remove it. So then I tracked down the legal counsel of Reddit up in San Francisco, and it was a she, and she also happened to be a legal counsel for Google, go figure, and, you know, I sent her a nice little letter requesting that, you know, she enforce her own policy and help me get this one-page, you know, slander article removed. She replied back, sorry, (laughs) not going to remove it. So then, you know, and the reason I wanted to remove was if anyone typed in my name, Walter Burian, <clears throat> you know, like how Google comes up with uh, recommendations, right? So someone types in Walter Burian and came up with Kaffir debunked, Walter Burian debunked, 1,724 hits, <laughs> you know, as the first suggestion, which if you click on it, it went right to this one-page anonymous smear article on Reddit, which you could tell was written by either a paralegal or an attorney. And uh, the other, it said 1,724 hits, 
but not one other one had anything to do with debunked or you know whatever. Uh, so I contacted Google and asked that Google to remove their direction to a slander one-page slander piece. Google refused. <laughs> okay, so yeah, for years in Google search engine, they were suppressing you know the Camper One front page, Camper One articles page. You you if you saw hits for it, it'd be like twenty pages back. Now, when I first started uh, National Disclosure, you know there was only about eleven hits on Google for Camper. After two, three years, you know, I started getting a couple hundred thousand, then a few million. I was being effective. <clears throat> but my father used to tell me, Walter, if somebody throws lemon at you, uh, lemons at you, don't get mad. Make lemonade. So I thought about that one. And what I did was, initially first on my articles page, it's got a black background, so I just typed in right at the very first line, black type. Uh, Walter Burian debunked, Kaffer debunked, <laughs> right? So Google, you know, does no color or text size. It always goes by what it first sees. <laughs> so then within one week, it's typed in Walter Burian, right? So it'll come up with the Kaffer One articles page as the first hit. And I said, hmm. I tried that on my front page. Now the Camper One front page and the articles page was coming up. And the Reddit article was like three or four down the list. So then I wrote an article regarding what was happening there with Reddit and Google and so forth. And I put a post note on there regarding the making lemonade, what I had done there. And uh, <laughs> within no time, the first hit was the complaint I had filed uh, with Google and Reddit. So now, Reddit article and Google were directing traffic to my site, 100% counter to what their intent was, which was to try to keep me into oblivion and you know, not seen. So after about uh, 30 days, 40 days of that, for the first time in seven years, all of a sudden, Google no longer had the first recommended hit saying Walter Burian debunked. Everything was cleaned up. Everything went back to the way it normally should be. <laughs> so that, that's how I countered what was being done there. That's, that's, yeah. that's a perfect way to use their words against him. Exactly. Now, the syndicated news media, not a peep, not a mention, not a word, the Kaffir, even though I've had people trying to get them to make mention for 20 years, all the private publications, privately owned publications, front page feature stories, 10, 12, 15, 20 page articles, right? And all of them came under attack, by the way, after they did. So it's absolutely amazing that the fundamental accounting document for every local government, city, county, state, school district, universities, enterprise operations, Government pension funds, which produce CAFRs, you know, it's their statement of net worth. Not a peep, not a mention, not a word. From the syndicated newspaper. Total blackout. 
you got to think about that. If you want to think scope and size, they were able to pull that off. And I found out right from the scratch, right from the get-go, you know, back in 1990, that the CAFR was sent to all the editors of all the primary uh, papers. It was sent to the CEO and directors of ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, and so forth from multiple states and multiple large cities. Now, but they, these directors uh, probably had their own library of CAFRs. Okay, they were included in on the game for the sole purpose of knowing not to mention a word. If they had a cover reporter, you know, come to him and say, I just found out about this kind of thing. I'm going to do a major feature article on us, and people need to know about that. They'd say, no, you're not. You're doing a story on butterflies in Argentina. Here's your ticket. You know, they were there to keep control, make sure the public didn't hear a peep, a word, a mention. But, like I said, the privately owned publication, Spotlight, it's 20 features, Media Bypass, uh, Idaho Observer, even World Net Daily, you know, uh, 1999, when I was breaking, Joe Farrell looked into it, and, you know, who's the editor? He wrote a really nice, very good uh, editorial on the CAFR and the surplus monies and the wealth being amassed within government. <clears throat> but there were four articles by World Net Daily, and then the financial pressure was put on World Net Daily. Uh, they were initially based out of Oregon. They were basically bought out by the syndicate. And their editorial office was moved from Oregon out to Washington, D.C. You never mention the Kaffir again, and so forth. Tom Valentine, I don't know how many people know that name. He had a radio show, Radio Free America. Uh, he was the very first radio program I did period when I started my national disclosure and we did about 10 or 15 shows and Tom after about a year and a half two years it was Walter we laid everything out for everybody everybody on a silver platter and no one's doing anything I'm getting out of this business period I'm not gonna, I'm gonna shut down my radio show <laughs> he gave up he said no I know the scope and size of the opposition. I am under no illusion or delusion as to what I and everyone is up against. It's the largest organized crime operation that ever existed on the face of the planet, period. You look at the gross money being taken City level, county level, state level, school district level, the exponential increase in the take, outpacing the population by a factor of 40, 50 to 1. There is no other definition but organized crime, period. In fact, on probably about 400 radio programs, I said, if I took all of the organized crime families, the Giancanas, the Castellanos, the Genovese's, the Capones, got them all, all the organized crime families, put them all together. It looked like a bunch of kids selling lemonade on the street corner compared to what government has turned into. And keep in mind, every government, city, county, and state have teams of hundreds of attorneys 
on very healthy, uh, you know, paychecks, there to enforce their theft, enforce their taking, enforce their ability to maintain the wealth they have taken, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, as more is exponentially taken. And the public, like I said, they're being masterfully entertained. I'm the only one in the country, period, in the world, that is working on phasing out taxation through a viable method which has been proven by government's own management or their own pension funds, except they did that for themselves. I'm trying to do something for the American public, phase out taxation. But then, like I said, with the full control of syndicated media and the vacuum and the void that has been created, a lot of times I feel like I'm in a vacuum. It's kind of lonely, but I don't lose my focus. Now, on the TRFA, uh, a banker from Texas come through, put, pitched up about 650 grand. We got some property and got the fence up, cut a road up to the top of the butte. Uh, it's got a 65 mile view in all directions. Beautiful uh, piece of property. And uh, I figured, how much am I going to need to get? The home off, national home office built, uh, staffed, maybe about two year operating budget. I came up with the figure of twelve million. So I kind of put out the word and booked for twelve million. One of my good friends who I've known for about fifteen years, uh, Gene Valentine. Uh, excuse me, not Gene. Uh, yeah, Gene Valentine. He um, owned a group called Financial West Group out of Westwood, California. Yeah, 235 uh, agent offices around the country. He had about $6.5 billion under management. Yeah, he was a backer of Caffer One for a few, 12 years. And uh, he offered me uh, his last, he has a uh, once a year corporate, uh, you know, their annual meeting. <clears throat> he wanted me to go out to Vegas and speak for an hour at his meeting, and he offered me 10 grand to do that. But couldn't do it, so don't know. But, uh, he stopped out with his uh, brother in their motorhome uh, out of my place uh, uh, November before last, at the end of the uh, month. And I spent the weekend. I said, Gene, you know, I need 12 million. Uh, I'll offer you 8%, 8.5% return and 100% ownership of all assets, land, the property, and so forth of the TRFA until your interest and principal is satisfied. Do you think you can do it? And he replied back, not a problem, Walter. Then get that done. <clears throat> and for him, that's saying yes, and it's going to happen and happen soon. So he left. He was working on his national, his national headquarters out in Reno, Nevada. And I didn't want to be pushy, so I gave him about 30 days and gave a call, got his voicemail, left a message. To find 12 million yet? Find 12 million yet? <laughs> And didn't get a return call, waited another month, called him again. And I didn't hear back from him. Now I started getting concerned. I found out 20 days, 20 days after he left my place, actually 22 days, they found him lying dead on his bed, fully dressed in his shoes on. He was cremated a week later. No real investigation done of any consequence. Oh, he died from uh, heart complications due to high sugar. Yeah, right. 
and his personal website was taken down, and an obituary was never published. I don't know if that was coincidence or not, or maybe he talked to the wrong person regarding the $12 million. Yeah, myself, when I first started National uh, Disclosure, people would say, Walter, how can you still walking, talking, and breathing, saying what you're, you're saying? Well, I was in survival mode back then, and the government boys figured I'd drop dead any day. Yeah, they were putting a whole bunch of crap on my back. You know, most people, you'd be scraping up off the floor with a butter knife. I kept on kicking. And, uh, you know, if I had a net worth of $100 million when I started National Disclosure, I would have given myself about two or three weeks because government looks at money as being capabilities. So back then I was in survival mode, and if you're not, me ain't going to survive, me ain't going to last too much longer, which turns out they were wrong there. But if I had, you know, like I said, $100 million, uh, take them out. I had three hits tried on me back on the local level out of Prescott. I caught all three of them. Basically told them if they tried a fourth time, I'm coming after them, so no fourth attempt. But uh, I've never targeted federal government. There's a lot of things I could bring up regarding federal and their indiscretions, but if federal government takes a contract hit out on you, you're dead. (laughs) Period. You know, local governments are kind of amateurish. Well, when you're trying to organize a system and set up something that would actually not only eliminate taxes, but put a dividend check back into everybody's pocket, that is totally counter to yep. the whole idea yeah, as far that as government has. Government is, government is supposed to benefit uh, the population, not give the impression they're benefiting and when they're actually extorting from them. You know, I mean, what they're, it's evil, <laughs> but government's doing. I mean, they, we have the largest prison population in, in the world. I remember a couple of years ago, I saw it come out state by state. Georgia won the prize. One out of eight people living in the state of Georgia is either on probation or in jail. One wow. in eight. When I saw that, I said, I wonder what it is in China. <laughs> Made a call over... Uh, I knew the statistics. Approximately one, uh, three in a hundred thousand people are in jail in China. Three out of a hundred thousand. Where Georgia was one in eight. It's very profitable. Jails, court systems, prisons, big money, big money. You know, well, the thing is, a lot of people too a, would. A lot of people would look at China and say, "Well, China basically is a jail." And the thing is, they only hear what's given to us over the news. If you listen to people like uh, Dr. Jim Garrow, who was a CIA asset, uh, uh-huh. he said that when he was done with the CIA, he was seriously thinking about moving him and his family over there and opening a business. He said it's easier to open a business there than it is in the U.S. Well, I'll give you a, I'll give you a pointer. Okay, uh, because everyone knows somebody in the military, Navy, Army, Marine Corps, and so forth. You know, you know how we're always hearing, and America is the best place in the world. You know, the freest country in the world. How many times have you heard that through your lifetime? Well, you'll find out if you look. Actually, look. Most of the people that parrot that off, pop it right off. 
have never, ever even left or went outside the country. <coughs> but most military have been outside the country. And if you ask somebody who's been in the military uh, for a couple of years, uh, what do you think is the best country in the world to live in? They're going to think about it for a while. <laughs> yeah, they may give you two or three choices for different reasons. Why? Because they were there. You know, I mean, people in Russia, they never leave Russia. Russia is the best place in the world to live. People in the UK, the UK is the best place in the world to live. You know, South Africa, South Africa is the best place in the world to live. You know, wherever somebody's from, if they've never been elsewhere, it's the best place in the world to live. And, you know, we're given our, you know, parroting, you know, uh, you know, by a one of the most effective propaganda machines the world has ever seen. <laughs> the TV on the radio, yes. ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN. I mean, the Kremlin is, takes all their tips from watching those shows. <clears throat> you know, the uh, but if you actually went over to Russia right now or Poland or anywhere else, you'll see the exact same type of programming that we have running here. Same type of shows, same type of presentation from the news. You know, it's a standardization. You know, the New World Order was created out of this country. You know, I used to get a kick out of people saying, the New World Order is trying to take us over. No, we're, we're the ones creating the New World Order. It's not an external thing. It's an internal thing going outward. You know, what they're doing is putting the entire planet on the exact same operating system, country by country, region by region, where they'll have one standardization of how to deal with those productivity units, us, you know, in a, you know, blanket manner, you know, standardized uh, manner, done so forth in the UK, Australia, New Zealand, the United States, Russia, China, Turkey, Istanbul. You'll notice that all of the independent players, especially in the Middle East where they got extra wealth, the independent, independent players are being taken out one after the other. I kind of felt very bad for Gaddafi. The CIA had him killed. But, you know, Gaddafi, he said he's not going to get himself a big house until every person in the country had a house. He's not going to get himself a wealthy car until everyone in the country had a car. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You can go online and look up what life was like under Gaddafi. And <clears throat> when you got married there, you actually got a check from the government. If you wanted to go to school, if they couldn't provide the schooling you wanted uh, w within the country, they would actually help pay for you to go to another country. Uh, you had very low electricity. Gasoline was very cheap. Health care was practically free. And how you know, he didn't dare want to he? IMF how plans. Dare, how dare dare he set that kind of example. How dare he? Yeah, they ran for yep. him to be drug out in the street and executed. I was not happy when I saw that happen. <clears throat> but the uh, yeah, bottom line is the money. Well, you know, you know what? the You know what the funny thing is? Even with that, him being drug out or pulled out of that uh, spider hole, as they called it, the photos that they showed, there was people that commented on the photos that were from the Middle East and said, 
Uh, no, look at the plants that are flowering around him. Those plants don't flower in September or whatever. They flower like six months earlier. So even the stuff they were showing was propaganda, which falls right yeah. under the Smith-Munt Act. Including the people that they were showing in the pictures were not Libyans. Right. From what I heard. <clears throat> but, you know, the bottom line is we could talk about it until hell froze over. There's a gazillion different examples of the games they're playing. The bottom line is they've systematically taken the wealth or holding the wealth, control the wealth, and exponentially keep increasing their taking the wealth. Now, after the 2008 bubble burst and everything that happened there, yeah, every time, like 2009, I heard uh, City of Los Angeles came out in the news. Ah, oh, we may have to declare bankruptcy. We took a hard hit from the 2008 bubble burst. <clears throat> I heard that. That got me a little pissed. I pulled up to see Los Angeles as a capper. They were sitting on $115 billion in liquid investment assets. And then I pulled up the county of Los Angeles. They were sitting on about $324 billion dollars. Then I got the bright idea. I said, hmm, wonder what the total is for all local governments in Los Angeles County with the county, right? So I added up the 71, whatever, local governments, school districts, and enterprise operations, the whole nine yards. <clears throat> and the, I'm not talking about hard assets. Strictly liquid assets, not hard assets. Liquid assets, $1.8 trillion. Just for Los Angeles County and the local governments in Los Angeles County. You know, if you took the 50th wealthiest, you know, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, all those guys, 50 of the top in this country, they kind of look a little pauperish compared to the money L.A. County and the governments in LA, L.A. County were sitting on. You know, and the public doesn't have a clue. And if you backtrack <laughs> 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years ago, as I said, government increased exponentially their income on the low side by a factor of 30 to 1, as in Arizona's example, a factor of 100 to 1, compared to the population of 3 to 1, increasing the income. <laughs> it's obscene, indisputable when you do the basic math. And, you know, there's no justification. Unless you're in Russia or China or something, you know. Those well, damn free capitalists are going to take control of them. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, the, one of the problems is people don't know the difference between capitalism and free market because there's a big difference between the two. But one of the things I like about you is that, you know, anybody can talk about the problem. Uh, I had somebody a year or so ago invite me to come on and be a co-host with them on their shows. All they want to mm -hmm. do is talk about the problem. You know, that does nothing. You have to have a solution. And what I like about another, you is that in you other words, provide in other words, well, well, a solution. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you it's, provide it's, a solution. And, and, yeah. And it's not but, a solution that's a, a kind of like a new revolutionary type of you know idea. It's so basic and fundamental and already proven by government doing it for themselves through their own pension yeah. funds. 
It's taking they already, what's already it. being used. You just broke off. I can barely hear you. Yeah, I think we lost him. I think you're back on. Nope. All right. There you are. But in, instead of instead of just paying in, people are really investing is what they're doing without realizing it. And you're showing a way where that investment should be coming back to you. And everybody, we should be sharing in the wealth. The country should be sharing in the wealth. And when you try and put that information out there and make things happen with it, people end up dying with their shoes on in their uh, – Hotel room yeah, back. Exactly. Yeah, I can watch myself every once in a while. Real yeah. quick here, guys. If I can re if I can rewind, uh, you guys were talking earlier about distraction, and that's one of the fine uh, things we're finding today is the distractions are part of the problem because it's 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 uh, altering our our own research to find the reality of what we're supposed to be doing in this. Yeah. And one of those things that we're finding out here lately is that. Um, in these uh, brokering actions where we're actually transferring the wealth, um, what we're supposed to be doing is assigning somebody as a trustee to broker the transaction. Correct. And in our capacity today in the commercial system, we're using an authorized signature. In other words, you, we're using the bank in a capacity where they have the legal um, powers, the, the, the durable powers of attorney because we're not knowing how to do the assignment properly as the executor who is ex executing the issue and but you, re today you really can't go that you can't go you can't go there because you're up against organized crime it doesn't matter what procedure you're using it's a one-on-one -on -one headbutting confrontation that's required i mean right. if you and have that, 50 and in that, though, we're finding out today that through the uh, uh, through their own banking system, the Medallion Bank uh, or Medallion Stamp Signature Guarantee Program clarifies that mm -hmm. an unqualifiedly guaranteed signature is greater than anything else because it, yeah, it comes well, without any authority. Always remember three words. Everything revolves around it. Business as usual. Period. You're confronting. Correct someone who's running business as usual, making trillions of dollars, okay? And, you know, words really don't cut it. You have to be able to motivate them. And if they're not motivated, you know, you don't stand an ice cube's chance in hell of confronting. Yeah, I've been fighting all my lifetime, and I've stood up with a lot of bullies, and the bully has to know you're going to rip their head off if they want to continue business as usual, you know? Um, you have to, and you're dealing with organized crime, so you have to make them an offer they cannot refuse. And when you present that, all we're asking you to do is to directly benefit the public as you have done for yourselves. You had no problem creating your multi trillion dollar pension funds to pay your exorbitant salaries and benefits of retirement. We want to use the exact same principle. 
meet the budgetary requirements for our cities, counties, and states, and school districts, so taxation is taken off the backs of the population. You will survive and thrive, but now the population will survive and thrive. Everyone's happy. You know, but, you know, if you're backed up with about 5,000 people standing behind you <laughs> when you're talking to your city council or county board of supervisors, that does have an influence to make things happen a little quicker than later. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we, need, yeah we do matter. need to come in numbers. Yeah, and it doesn't matter whether uh, you're, uh, you know, you dotted this I across that to you or, you know, your legal status or the terms of a legal document. It's, you know, 10,000 people standing there looking at 20 and saying, you know, this is our county, this is our city, and this is a viable option for you to thrive and for us to thrive. How soon are you going to get it done? Yeah. Well, all this comes you know, a lot of this yeah. comes down to, and, you know, I look at the same situation, Walter, that you have. You mentioned it to me is that as you were doing radio shows and stuff and it's like, what am I doing? I'm just supplying entertainment. Nobody's doing anything. Yeah, I stopped doing that really, four years ago. Yeah. 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 What really comes down to is that we all need to start doing stuff on our local level. If that means, you know, find out when your county commissioner's meeting is and go in there. And who cares if they only give you one or two minutes? Bring up the CAFA reports uh, and do it every week or once a month whenever they have the meeting and you're allowed to speak. Bring it up. Become a thorn in their heel. You know what I mean? It's like the story I told you about when I was going into a store here a couple months ago, and they were having a drive for school products. And when you walked into the store, they would hand you a flyer, and it listed the things that the school, the local schools needed. Notebooks, pencils, pens, and this and that. You know, and when I walked back out, I wrote one thing on that piece of paper, C-A-F-R. And I handed it to the kid, and I said, do you know what this is? And immediately, the woman that was supervising what they were doing, she came over and yanked that out of my hand and said, thank you, we don't need your help here anymore. <laughs> they know what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Well, the one of my favorite uh, little stories, pass on, pass on knowledge from a circumstance, which I gave from day one on the probably the second radio program I did. Uh, there was a woman from Pennsylvania who called me. She was a wealthy cattle rancher. And she goes, um, I just spoke to my good friend, the congressman, and he didn't know about this Kaffir thing, but he's furious, and he says he's going to get to the bottom of it. And she told me how she spent like about 380000 bucks of her own money to get him elected, right? Her good friend, the congressman. Well, I said, so he says he's never heard of it. No, he said, yeah, he said he never heard of it. I said, okay, I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to put through a conference call to the Pennsylvania Department of Treasury, the mail room, and don't say anything, just listen. So I called the mail room, Department of Treasury in Pennsylvania. Has Congressman so-and-so been getting the uh, comprehensive manual financial report? Oh, yes. For how long? Well, we've been sending it to him for about 12 years. Right. And I said, where'd you send it to? His office? She goes, yes. And then I loved her for volunteering this information. She goes, oh, except for three years ago, 
him and his aide were down in the Bahamas vacationing, and his aide called us and had him, had had us send it to him down in the Bahamas so he didn't miss it when it came out. <laughs> ah, I would have loved to have recorded the phone call this woman from Pennsylvania had with the next phone call she had with her good friend, the congressman. Yeah. At first, the game was just simply denied. Oh, we don't do one of those. I've never heard of the Comprehensive Annual Financial Report. Well, no, we don't produce one. Then people were coming across them, you know, and then, you know, calling back and chewing people out. So local governments, to give themselves plausible deniability, they started listing links to their campers under their uh, Treasury Department or Auditor's Department, you know, a sublink of a sublink of a sublink. So if somebody said to them, you're hiding your camper, you're operating like a criminal organization. We're not hiding anything, sir. Look, here's our campers right here on this link at our treasurer's office. We're not hiding anything. Well, the whole game was never mention it. <laughs> somebody well, the, and the, the problem yeah. is The problem is nobody goes and looks. Well, and we've been here for that. Is, that, is, that is not a no. That's not the problem. The problem is not that no one goes to look. The problem is that you have one of the wealthiest syndicates on the face of the planet that makes sure no one looks. Big difference. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Going, that's very true. They're going, they're going out of the way to make sure no one looks. They went out of the way to make sure no one from the syndicated media mentioned a peep. They went way out of the way to make sure no one from the Democratic or Republican Party made a peep. Now, the Libertarians started mentioning this you know, in the first two or three years, but even the Libertarians stopped mentioning it. You know, they were told... That makes you wonder the whose pocket they're in. Yeah, well, they were told, hey, <laughs> you're trying to have a standing, and you keep mentioning this, you're going to find yourself shrinking away into nothing. You know? Because when you have the money, it's not, it's not like a wealthy guy in your block, you know. Hey, man, I, I got a chain of stores and I'm making uh, five million a week. You know, <clears throat> you're talking hundreds of billions a week across the board, all coordinated under one central <laughs> basic uh, management service advisory group standard of operations it's the definition of business as usual you know and it's to their benefit not to the public's benefit and that only happened based on greed and opportunity unrestrained if the public could so easily be distracted and manipulated and put off into left field as they're conducting all the business in right field, you know, you get exactly what you have. And it's been a hard job just waking people up to the basic fundamentals, staring them in their face. And can I tell you one last thing um, before we run here, which is kind of important? Go for it. But, you know, tens of thousands of people call me since 98. And, you know, I listen to some people or will start ranting and raving for two hours getting down to, I'm the Queen of England, took it all over through the Bar Association. You know, whatever. It all started in 1843 in the signing of this document and on this paragraph. You know, I learned, I didn't want to hear all this, all this crap. You know, 
today we're dealing with, not 200 years ago. <clears throat> I said, excuse me, excuse me, I have a few questions for you. Uh, what, Walter? Say, do you know how much cash you got in your pocket? Yeah. Know exactly how much cash I have in my pocket. Why do you want to know? I said, I don't want to know. I just want to know if you know. Yeah, I know exactly how much cash I have in my pocket. You know, are you checking account balances? Yeah. What about uh, total value of your investments? You have a pretty good idea? I know exactly what the value of my investments are. Why do you want to know? I said, I don't want to know. I just want to know if you know. I know exactly what they are. What about your net worth? I know exactly what my net worth is. And then, whether they call me about a city, school district, county, I'll say county. I'll say, how much cash did your county bring in this year? Uh, no idea. Take a guess. I can't. Why? Don't have a clue. What about the value of their investments? No idea. Take a guess. I can't. Why? Don't have a clue. What about their net worth? No idea. <laughs> Take a guess. I can't. Why? Don't have a clue. So it's basic and fundamental. Each and every one of us, from when we're little kids up until when we die, how much cash we have in our pocket, value of our investments, approximately what our net worth is, they have created an entire vacuum and void in the cognitive thinking of an entire population and the few, the very few percentage out of the population. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. They hand them a budget report. <laughs> Damn, I'm through this budget report. Shit, they spent $50 million more than they had. What are they, idiots? You know, quite the opposite. Which is why I never mention, never peep or word of the comprehensive financial report. <clears throat> but that's not a simple thing. That's, you know, it's as significant as it gets. I mean, they go to great extents to make sure, not a peep, not a mention, not a word, due to the money involved, the investment wealth involved, the control and ownership involved. You know, because the capper is the statement of net worth. <clears throat> yeah. Well, it comes down to you look at people that uh, get in trouble, people that are supposed to gurus or whatever in the truth movement or whatever, that get nailed for things, get sent to prison. And what is the common denominator? The common denominator is always that they were messing with the coin of Caesar. The coin of the realm. Mm -hmm. That's what it okay. always comes down to. <laughs> or how to how control it or manipulate it. And one of the reasons Absolutely. why I'm still kicking, one of the reasons I'm still kicking is, you know, I'm saying benefit population directly and be happy at the same time. Government has same amount of cash rolling in the door, if not more, with a prosperous, thriving economy, with the public maintaining more of their wealth. The government now gets a much stronger focus in reality on having a thriving, prosperous economy because they now make more money on their investment return, more money for their budgets. <clears throat> it gives them a genuine focus to yeah, make sure the public is thriving. You know, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a win. consolidate those benefits to those that really do need them. 
what we have now is like a bunch of teenagers on crack with an unlimited supply of crack. <laughs> I mean, it's not a pretty uh, pretty situation. And we got to yeah, look well, at the, uh, the taxpaying public are the parents. And in reality, government, even though they're so big and massive and we're going to blow your head off if you give us any trouble, they're the kids. We got to look at it in that yeah, it's funny you brought up crack because I've referred to the government as a crackhead looking around to see what else they could sell. Yeah, the government has an unlimited supply of cash coming in the door. So. Absolutely. <laughs> well, okay. anyway, uh, we've been you know, offered... Some we've, is, yeah, they don't want to kill themselves there. Yeah. Yeah, we've been on for say, hours, we've been on, a couple hours, I mean, and it's great info. And I try not to like go too far over two hours because if somebody sees a, a broadcast or something, they see it's three hours long. And well, we've actually done the ones that are longer. There people well, just look why, at that. That's, and that's why I, that's why you got to entitle it hot tub parties yeah. in the hills with word stewardesses. Everyone's going to listen to the whole thing saying, I didn't hear him talk about the hot tub parties. <laughs> we didn't see the pictures. We didn't see the yeah. pictures. But, and like I always say, this is all about learning who you really are, where you're really at, and where you're really from. Because you've been deceived yeah, and, and, on and, and, all and levels. Gotta, and you got to look at what is our business as usual, and what is government's business as usual. Big difference between the yep. two. And we're yep. the surf, the productivity unit that's being drained. It's been that way for you know 15,000 years. They've just changed the way... They drain you. I mean, 10,000 years ago, you were just a slave <laughs> under the whip. Now you're a slave under the economic uh, chasing the carrot on the treadmill with government tapping off 85% of the energy produced on the treadmill. You know, <clears throat> and, you know, it's going to self-destruct. If they keep going the way they're going, you know, it's they'll self-destruct. I mean, the very first video I put out, the biggest game in town, I have a little segment in there where, you know, a little science thing they did where you take a fruit bowl and you do a time lapse, you know. And you see the nice fruit, all of a sudden get moldy, fungus grows, and, you know, you boil down like 45 days into, you know, 40 seconds. All you're left with is a big bowl full of mold and fungus. You know, the population is the fruit. And of government... Yeah, you know, it keeps going the way it's going. We're going to end up with a big bowl of fungus and mold. <clears throat> the fruit is exactly. going to be devoured. Us, us, and government is greedy. And government's a little bit too greedy to stop themselves. Like I said, they're like a crack addict uh, with unlimited supply of cocaine. So they're going to keep on, keep on going on, expanding, and so forth. And oh, last note before I run, I had a couple of politicians when I told them about, you know, TRF funds and phasing out taxation. <clears throat> politicians said, what do you want? You want us to give, give the public everything for free? And my reply was, there by the grace of God and the taxpayer go thee. Yeah. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah, I said, you're not giving anything for free. You're going to be truly benefiting the population, not acting as an extortion racket. Well, Nothing you know what? If you 
if you go into economics and read things by like Tyler, uh, who was talking about economics hundred years ago, he was saying the U.S. was heading in the wrong direction, and that you had to build up the people. That was the only way the country would succeed. If you're only exactly. trying to build the country and not the people, it will eventually fail. And that's exactly what you just identified. And you're, you're going to love this. You know, the only excuse I've heard from government higher-ups on why they do what they do, <coughs> I didn't believe it the first time I heard it, <clears throat> but I heard it several times after that. What they said was, oh, if the public had all the money, they would just spend it. We know how to spend the public's money much better than they do. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, What arrogance! Yeah? We know how to spend their money better than they do. They would just spend it. If they're just going to spend it, then a big chunk is going to come back to them in the form of taxation anyway, so... Well, as I mentioned, when you have it set up as an investment trust and, you know, a thriving economy and public spending creates better returns, thus more money coming in for government. That's a much better principle to have as a standard. I'll tell you something I did from scratch one, 1990. I first found out about this in New Jersey. I started adding up all of the local governments in New Jersey. Totals. Okay. City county, state, school district, enterprise operations, the whole nine yards. Then I took the population of New Jersey, every man, woman, and child, and divided it by that number to see, you know, if New Jersey was, say, a public corporation and every man, woman, and child was an equal shareholder, what would be the value of their shares? Came up to being about $485,000 per man, woman, and child in the state. Or a family wow. of five, do but in the alternative, government was sucking more money out of the population's pockets than almost any other state. So their plan actually yeah, hurts them in the long run, where it could benefit them. Yeah, it's like I said, big money. It's a distortion racket. Well, and, I know. Yeah. I, I know I'm going to have people that are going to want to request to have you back on again. Um, and I've got a couple of friends, actually, that want you to uh, come and join them sometime in the near future. Um, Rights of the Few from a friend of mine by the name of Maximus will probably be contacting you. And uh, this information just really needs to get out. And I know that you're at that spot. And I'm kind of at that spot, too, where it feels like you're putting out information. And it's like, it's entertainment to people. Nobody's acting on it. But Yeah, well, I guess I'm I'd hoping, stop doing that. I'm, yeah, I'm hoping that we're at a day now where things are getting to the point where people are going, okay, we got to find a solution. And so that the people start looking and are more responsive to all of this. And I really appreciate it. Um well, keep in, keep in mind you want to close out with. Yeah, keep in mind what I'm trying to get done is get the TRFA home office up and running. The first private association for the public's benefit, which strictly consults with local governments to put them on the fiduciary trust principle to phase out and eliminate taxation. 
No one in the country or in the world has ever said, I'm going to work towards phasing out taxation. Yeah, that old saying of uh, there's only two things assured in life, death and taxes, right? Well, not if Walter gets his way, because that old saying will change to the only thing assured in life is death. Because if I can get it done, I phase taxation out of the picture. Create a thriving economy and a self-perpetuating loop in every country. It's not just the U.S. Every country in the world can do the exact same. Absolutely, and it's providing, it's providing a solution that they don't like. Well, it's, it's, it's the difference between, you know, your teenager uh, getting an allowance or having to work, <laughs> you know, for his, his living. You know, the what I'm suggesting is, you know, what wealthy families teach their kids from scratch one. It's called the wealth principle. Don't spend your monies. Live off of two-thirds of the income from your monies. You know, it's called the wealth principle. Government's bringing in so much damn money, you know, and they already have the perfect example of their own pension funds, $22 trillion. You know, it shows that they can set the structure up. They have all the management teams in place, okay, to make this happen tomorrow, but they have to be motivated to do so. They're not going to do it in their own right because they're having too much of a fun time extorting, taking non-disclosure, massive amounts of investment capital generating trillions, <clears throat> you know. The well, the interesting, sure. thing, the, inter- the interesting thing that you showed is that through uh, the federal, that the uh, 200 report was that that 22 children in profit, oh gosh, that's the same number as our supposed debt for the U.S., well, it's $22 trillion in liquid investment funds that generate about a $4 trillion profit. Yeah. That's just just, right. just government pension funds. If you look at government-funded uh, mortgages, you know, you're talking about another $30 trillion there. That's a, their biggest investment is with mortgages. You know, so the government is funding, directly or indirectly, most of the mortgages in this country. I learned that from day one when I looked at New Jersey's CAFR. Chase Manhattan Bank, $8.5 billion, mortgage division. Wells Fargo, $7.2 billion, mortgage division. three point two credit card division. You know, so the banks, if you have a mortgage with them, credit card, you think it's them. No, they're investing for their primary clients. Those local governments out there are their primary clients. That are putting up Absolutely. the money in the mortgage division, in the credit card division. Yeah. You know? So government's the one profiting primarily. Banks get a secondary income from managing that. In fact, a lot of local governments now are creating their own financial structures <coughs> on the state level, cutting out the middleman. Well, you know what, Walter? That's one of the first things I started looking at in my experience of waking up, quote unquote, is that. You hear things about the wealthiest countries, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, the wealthiest countries, well, where is the country's wealth at? 
like the United States of America, for instance, or the United States, what does it own? I mean, where's mm-hmm. its wealth? And then I started finding out, oh, gosh, its wealth is us and what we own. That's what where its mm-hmm. wealth comes from. Mm-hmm. And look at how much is being taken. We're being managed. Yeah, and we're not managing uh, government. Government's managing us. Everything falls we're- under management. Everything falls under management. If if you go to court and there's problems, oh, you've got debt problems, oh, we'll send you to debt management. Oh, you've got health care problems, what does your health provider do? They manage your health care. Everything falls under management. Yeah, that's, like I said, business as usual, very profitable. Court exactly. systems, jails, social services, everything, very profitable for them. And I brought up the point regarding, like, Trump wants to build the wall and immigration. Southern states make billions a year from the, uh, you know, illegal immigrants. Technically, a family of five can come over and go on Social Security benefits, SSI. The day after they arrive, getting a check for 2500 bucks a month, <laughs> you know, even though they haven't worked one hour yet in the United States. Well, when they then come they here, get, they, give them a, they give them a pamphlet that shows them how to do all this. Yeah, and health care and a, you know, hospitalization, which is all. I mean, people say, whoa, if it's costing the states money, why would they want that to happen? Uh, duh. <laughs> they spend, they get to charge you for. That's that extra liability you're talking about. Out of money. And, you know, like I said, it's not complicated. It's not what happened in 1848 on paragraph two of this. You know. No, it's business as usual. That's generating trillions of dollars a year for local and federal government, maintaining that business as usual, and expanding the, I mean, it's so important, so important, I'll emphasize it, that people look at the increase in the take. 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. Anyone who does that, you know, get the barf, get the barf bucket next to you. Because it becomes so damn obvious as to the takeover by government, period. That's not speculation. It's not somebody peeved at government saying, no, they did this and they did that. No. It's their own financial records establishing exactly what they have done. It's the reality. Yeah. Yeah. And people can't handle looking at the base, and they don't have to sit there subpoenaing. I mean, I had so many people contact me and say, what kind of freedom of information requests do I have to get uh, to get my city's coffer? I sent him back a Google link <laughs> showing three different locations they could download it. You know? Yeah, I just I just looked up the local county uh um CAFR account for Black Hawk County where I'm from and it popped right up first link. All you do is put in the county, the state, and then C A F R after it and it'll pull it up. Exactly. Same with your school districts or any kind of other service agency. Um, hospitals, Enter, tax enter agents, enterprise insurance agents, pension, pension, pension funds, and the whole nine yards. Yeah. But, you yep. know, pull up, the Tennessee, pull up the Tennessee Valley Authority. <laughs> you want to see a, 
a trade. Oh my God. That's well, you were talking right earlier here. about um, you were talking earlier about one one county being uh, chartered in various different states in the country, and that's very common. And then also, if you look under your Duns and Bradstreets and Mantis, um, despite the fact that um, they can be edited, if you do your your actual research and find out um, the truth behind it, and keep doing that research to to make sure that it's true and real. You'll find well, out some Don of these Brad, companies are Don, actually yeah, Don, listed Don, as ticket agents. Yeah, you, you can't edit Dun & Bradstreet, but Manta is the one that you can come in and volunteer to be an editor. Right. But then, uh, like I said, some of these agencies are listed as, and, and it will tell you, ticket agents or something like that. Well, what's that tell you? <laughs> yeah, well, the, bo the bottom line is, the bottom line, business as usual, and ching, 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 ever increasing, yep. ching, 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 and they're selling you tickets yeah. to the circus. Yeah, and they laugh their asses off down at the bank every single day. Yeah, and most of them are sitting there, man. I thought we'd have a problem getting away with this. Man, those, that public is shesh. <laughs> are they are they all taking lithium or what? You know. Well, yeah, they're it, taking it, vaccines you know, like they're told. <laughs> yeah, for, for, for them, you know, they have an inside view of the money. And look what these guys are getting paying them. They, they pay themselves. They, they approve their own uh, raises, <laughs> vacation time, bonuses. I mean, yeah. even when I first started looking at New Jersey back in 1990, one of our volunteers, we had 64,000 volunteers in three months on Hands Across New Jersey. With the help of John and Ken from 101.5 FM, <clears throat> but one of our volunteers wrote the pension funds for Blue Cross Blue Shield nationally. And at that time, the state's CAFR had to break down of all the pension funds. But so I gave him the CAFR and said, uh, how do New Jersey state pensions compare to, say, a Fortune 500 company like Johnson & Johnson? Because, well, take... somebody's running a blunder. Said, uh, but they said, he said, it'll take me about a week. So a week later, I said, what do you got? He goes, well, on a scale of 1 to 10, with uh, Johnson & Johnson being a 5, he said all of New Jersey state pensions were 7, excluding the judicial branch. He said that was the Millionaire Boys Retirement Club. Every state judge in New Jersey <coughs> got 100% tenure after serving one year. In other words, other state employees had to work, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20. There goes that blender again. But, you know, the state judges back then, this is 1989, 89's Catherine. One year tenure, they got their full pension fund, which was worth about, and I said, how much is worth? He goes, oh, about five and a half, six million dollars each. Okay. <clears throat> Business as usual. Now, I did talk to the head of the pension fund for the judicial branch years later, and I asked him to justify why the judges got their full pension after one year tenure. And his reply to me was, well, we want to make sure they have plenty of money and that people can't bribe them and buy them off, pay them off. And I said, it kind of already looks like they were paid off, <laughs> was my response. 
Be a state judge and get a package worth six million dollars. Get one year. So after one year, these guys can retire and get their full pension. They can work one year, five years, ten years. <clears throat> and in California, they had the same deal, but three years. And the California judges, they switched from program A to program B, where they had to, you know, participate 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. But the ones that were in program A, it's like on a lottery, you know, you get the cash payout or the annuity payout. The pension fund's an annuity payout. The California judges took checks for the value of their portion of the pension fund, checks between five, six, seven million dollars, and retired early. Then went out and opened their own private practice or <laughs> bought their small island <laughs> in retirement. <clears throat> That's why there's all new uh, young judges in California. All the old ones uh, took their check and said, see ya. Well, you guys have a great evening there. I'm going to run. Well, hey, um, yeah, thanks, uh, Walter. We appreciate you coming in and joining us tonight. Like Brian said, I, I hope we can get you on again sometime. And just remember, stay out of trouble. But if you get into trouble, make sure you enjoy yourself. <laughs> yes. All right. Have a good night there, guys. All right. Thank and you. Anyone you too, out brother. there, if anyone has $12 million, they get an 8.5% return and ownership of all assets until their interest and principal are satisfied. Absolutely. I want to get the TRFA, National Headquarters, up and running. You know, $12 million is like what most cities make in a half a day, <laughs> big ones. Yep. And error is something, for the first time in the history of this country, is a private association designed to directly benefit the population through the elimination and phasing out of all taxation. I mean, it's absolutely amazing that it is not going full force at this point in time. But there's a lot of scared people out there. Oh, we can't, we can't book. Goliath. Oh, oh, no, we can't buck Goliath. I will for them. Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of the red button story from Catherine Austin Fitz. If they knew they could end everything, but it's going to hurt their pocketbook, could they get scared? Pull the covers over the heads. Yes. Yeah, when I first started National Disclosure, I knew, you know, they, they destroy your lives, your businesses, and everything else, attack your family. I knew that was going to happen from day one. They destroyed my family, destroyed my business, packed me nonstop. But then I said, when I first started, I said, I'm the strongest person I know, one of the smartest. And I said, if I can't do it, who else can? I like a good fight. So I started with oh, National yeah. Disclosure, June of 1998. Reached over 500 million people. And uh, now instead of getting 11 hits, on CAFR or Comprehensive Annual Finance Report, which is what you got a month before I started disclosure. Now you get millions. That was effective. And I have also briefed the population on the tricks they're playing regarding trying to hide their wealth by doing 50 years projections <laughs> into the future as if due today to draw down their balances so it doesn't show you know, what they're sitting on. Yeah, That's very important to look for that. And they move money. 
they can move 75 million one year and then the next year say we're 75 million short of our budget we're gonna to have to have a bond issue raise taxes people just got to look back a year you move 75 million out of your budget over to this investment program that's why you're 75 million dollars short this year uh, uh we didn't think you were going to see that yeah <clears throat> The public's got to learn a new standard of business as usual for them. Government seems to have their act nailed down to the floor pretty tight regarding business as usual for government. It's the public that needs a little change in their business as usual. But you guys have a great, yes. great week there. Dumb, dumb. Thank you very much, Walter. We appreciate it. And, uh, like I told you, uh, you'll probably be contacted by a couple of friends of mine with their scratch at the bit to have you come on as well. So, well, like I said, I'm, fo I'm focused on the TRFA. Uh, that's my n number one focus. I'm waiting for that phone call. Oh, I heard you need 12 million. Where do I send the check to? Send me a short contract there. I get eight and a half percent in ownership of all the assets till I'm paid off, right? Okay. Draft me up a legal document and I'll look it over and everything's copacetic. You'll get your check next week. <laughs> okay. You're absolutely correct. And and the solution is where everybody needs to stay focused at because there is a solution and you are providing it. Yeah. But yes. like I said, everyone's masterfully entertained into distraction <laughs> constantly with a total vacuum created by the syndicated media control education of both political parties. Well, I can't be. How could they do that and get away with it? Jeez. Take a look at the money involved, <laughs> and then you'll understand. Yep. All right, you guys have All a great right. night there. Catch you later. All right. Thank you, Walter. Thank you, Keith. Uh, Keith, did you have something you want to close out with? Um, no, I think I pretty much covered it with what I had to say about the rewind, going back and talking about the signatures and the uh, um, we're realizing that some of these uh, organizations, when we look them up, we need to dig a little bit deeper and find out they're actually operating business as like ticket vendors and stuff <laughs> so they're not they're proving that they're not even a state corporate government entity if they're you know <laughs> selling tickets to the circus absolutely all right well i've been kicked off like six times tonight so hopefully i'll be able to close out this call until next week we'll catch everybody later all right thanks for having us on again folks and thanks for joining us have a good night everybody Pleasant dreams. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.